0: Ready to pump your energy and jumpstart your dreams with positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio on the world's most popular power hour, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. The Oprah of the airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, and her sidekick, daughter, Heather Brittany, deliver lessons of success spanning the generations of the globe in their information-packed T for two, a mother-daughter brew. In other segments, Cynthia interviews real-life trailblazers, authors, and experts with the courage and vision who show you how to build a road to fulfillment through their unique books and services. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll be informed and entertained. For your free lifestyle empowerment coaching session right here on the airwaves, turn up the volume, relax, sit back, and get ready to be inspired. Because Star Style, Be the Star You Are, starts right now. Yeah.
1: Well, hello, Power Partners, and welcome to Radio's Finest Hour of Power, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney, And we are your personal growth success coaches, the mother-daughter, mother-daughter goddess gals right here on the Airways with you, and we bring you authors, experts, professionals to help you live a more fulfilled life, and of course, we bring you the issues and things that are very important because we are a show about following your heart, doing what you love, And we hope that you are living every day to the fullest and being the best person you can be. The Miracle Moment is brought to you by Star Style Gardening Solutions. When you need a garden guide, call 925-377-7827. This is from Confucius. By three methods, we can learn wisdom. First is reflection. That's the noblest. Second is imitation. It's the easiest and third is by experience, which is the bitterest. Of course, experience Mm -hmm, is the hardest. So, Today we're going to bring you uh, some information that is about experience and exploring and all of that. We have a controversial program, uh, but very important. Heather and I are going to discuss the newest legislation that has entered the House of Representatives that proposes to ban the rights of women and important health care for people around the country. And then Ayman Omar Hazim is going to bring the teachings of Islam to our audience with his book, Islam in the Heartland of America. We'll find out what Islam really is. And then I'll be talking about creating competitive advantages for your business and then giving you a garden guide for the month of March. So we want to make sure that you get all that information. Well, in the 95-year history of Planned Parenthood, there has never, ever been such a vicious attack on women and their rights, as what has been happening right now with the anti-choice members of Cong- uh, Congress that have voted to bar Planned Parenthood from federal funding and other organizations, be but they're wrong because they are really underestimating the need for it. Since February 18th, more than a million men and women have signed an open letter to stand with Planned Parenthood against these outrageous attacks. Heather is a clinic advocate. She's very much involved in the campaign to support and stand for the rights of women and for the patients that Planned Parenthood serves and so she is the rightful person to talk to us about this issue. I know you're very passionate about this. I give you the floor Heather
2: Oh, um, thank you so. Yes, this is definitely a scary time for us right now. Planned Parenthood sees millions and millions, both female and male patients of all ages, races, sexuality, and it's scary to think that their rights to reproductive, to comprehensive and to preventative care could be taken away. Um, as you were seeing a couple weeks ago in the house of representatives a bill passed now the whole thing with legislation is before something becomes a law, before it becomes law the land there's no turning back it must be a bill first and it went to the house of representatives and at the house of representatives they voted um to eliminate title ten and it passed 240 to 185 and as you know that um the house of representatives is a uh, more dominantly republican uh run now however in the voting process 11 democrats um and uh 11 democrats did vote for it voted now, when you say it. they voted for it they voted to, to eliminate, eliminate all this care title, through the title 10 is and that right exactly and and uh, Planned Parenthood, pan you know, we're constantly under Um, scrutiny, especially a lot of people that um, don't really know about more of our services, except for what the 3%. So out of 100% of what we do, 97% of what we do is cancer cervical screening, HIV, well-woman exams, which include pap, breast exams. Um, Some agencies who have been wonderful enough to maintain the funding are able to do preventative care for prenatal. It's birth control, it's pregnancy tests, it's all preventative care. And 3% of what we offer to you are terminational services. And a lot of people, even though that 97% of what we do is all preventative, including cancer, life-saving screenings, really just focus more on that 3%. Well,
1: However, I want to jump in there, Heather, before you go yes. further on that, because I think what's really important to know about that 3%, which is a termination that is what people get outraged about, mm-hmm. is that before uh, you get involved, before Planned Parenthood gets involved in something like this, you give extensive counseling and you offer alternatives uh, because exact, it's exact. a last resort. This is not something that you encourage that anybody does.
2: Exactly, exactly. It all brings down to just as no one no one ever has to take birth control, no one has, is it's a fact of a right, that it's your own health care, it's your own body, And whether you choose to eat organic food and exercise 10 hours a day or if you decide you want to do drugs and eat terrible food, and not live a healthy life, it is up to you. It is your body and it is your life, and no one has the right to tell you what you can and cannot do and with your body. for that reason and alone, we do not have the right to legislate that. I mean, it, it,
1: I think that women and uh, human beings in general have fought very hard for acceptance, and it doesn't matter what community you are in. And by taking away this right, we are really going back a thousand years.
2: Yeah, it's scary to think, and a lot of what we do, too, in that preventative care is education. Our view is that sex education, comprehensive education, is birth control. Whether someone decides to be sexually active for the first time at 45 or at 14, we want them to understand their body, to understand the choices, to know the medical, scientific, biological, and emotional um, responsibilities that come with deciding to be a sexually active individual, and even those, um, even people who are not even sexually active, when it comes to cervical reproductive care, it is important that even someone who has never been sexually active. Um, to be getting uh, well-woman exams pap, because cervical cancer, breast cancer is a biological thing that can just occur that does not have to be um, involved with someone's uh, sexual activity. Uh, with that being said, most, a lot of our funding comes from this program called Title X and at least 90% of clinical funding programs beyond Planned Parenthood rely on Title X and this includes I mean, beyond just that, it includes um, non-profit, uh, places that are religious, faith-based uh clinics, even tribal-based clinics, pend on Title X, which um, is federal funding money for all these preventative care services. Yeah, and I have now, a
1: quick question on this, too, just so that myself mm-hmm. and the listeners can understand it. It's not just Planned Parenthood that's under attack. It's anyone, any of these groups... A- Exactly. That are receiving funding from Title
2: X. Exactly. So over 4,500 uh, community-based clinics in the United States use this. And as I said, this includes independent clinics, university clinics, hospitals, tribal organizations, faith-based clinic services, um, and other private not in, including Planned Parenthood. And Title X, um, if this, Disappears, you know. All it's beyond. It's beyond just us. You know, it's all these other places. And one thing um, to point out is that not one single dollar of Title 10 has ever been used for any terminational service. Let's repeat uh, that. What's was with when, when
1: that is extremely important to say. Not one dollar.
2: Not one dollar. And it's not one, not $1, it's,
1: it's not $1 dollar of or, any no. Title 10 funding has ever, ever been used for termination purposes. It is exactly. completely used for preventative care and for screenings and for various health cares for the individuals it serves.
2: Exactly. And one thing, is, it's different for all of the different states regarding their Planned Parenthood, but for here in California, Um, our big program when we talk when we go up to the capitol and lobbying about why this should not be cut is our program called 9 to 1. For every $1 the state uh, spends, it's reimbursed $9 federally. And uh, something also when people look at when they think, well, federal tax money, you know, to be paying for people's birth control or people's well-woman and pap exams, Think of the cost of unplanned pregnancies, of disease, of how, why a big thing in this country is for so many of the people who are uninsured and can't pay for health care, we're able to provide them with all this preventative care that they otherwise could not afford. Well, you know, big- I think this is what the
1: key is, is when I first heard about this and we were talking about it and I, I uh, contacted my guest coordinator about this. What she said, I thought it was so important about how it was just a no-brainer for anyone who had any intelligence to go against what they're trying to do because Planned Parenthood, as well as these other clinics, is for people without means, and I don't know any woman uh, truly in my circle who has not been to a women's health clinic that was on a sliding, you know, sliding scale for their exams at one point in their life, including myself in college. I had no money, and would you know, and would go to the local, to the university, um, assisted plans. There mm-hmm. they provide education, the medical services, and nobody should be denied. And as I think, what's so important that she made this comment is that it doesn't matter how far as we think we've come, just because we were born female, we still have to fight to protect our bodies. And and to me, that is wrong. We should all be accepting the fact that, you know, we,
2: we, women have a right just like everybody else. And, and that's the thing. And, and even I've seen a big surge in clinics recently. With this crazy economy and so many of job layoffs, um, we've had a big surge of patients coming to us for the first time who – have said, um, you know, I used to have this great job and I had health insurance and I could afford all this, and now um, I can't. And what people, a lot of people don't realize, not um, not every, some of our patients are cash-paying patients. They still don't qualify for um, to be under the two hundred percent level, but it's still at a more reasonable price. And our
1: view okay, is tell that me, say that again because that's also important. So. If you do have
2: means and you come to one of these clinics. So, and some people, so the great news is we are able to get some, uh, insurance contracts. In our view, a lot of, a great thing that if, uh, people should really look into with the whole healthcare reform is Obama is really working hard to include birth control as a preventative measure. That's saying, you know, our thing with Planned Parenthood is Pregnancy and children are a wonderful thing when it is a planned event. When you know you financially, and exactly. And so if people know they don't want a family yet, the great thing is that they're being being um, protected by using birth control. They're controlling that so that they have the right to control when they do or do not want a family. And a lot of patients, um we are sending our home our patients with anywhere from three to six hundred dollars worth of services that they couldn't afford on their own. And our view is that contraception shouldn't have a copay. Just because you can't afford this doesn't mean you shouldn't be able to have this. And the biggest thing is education is that we're able to go into schools and educate kids. We even have programs with parents who want to talk to their kids, but don't know how, or they were never really educated, or some people just want to know more for themselves, that we are able to get funding for that. And the big thing, the worries is uh, Mike Pence, who was a center who really, who who's really made um, this this bill an attack on Planned Parenthood, who he has even uh, clearly stated that he is aware that Planned Parenthood has never used a federal dollar um, for terminational services, his belief is that, uh, an organization that would still offer this to patients, um, has to be stopped. And so this thing us, so, uh, w- yeah, the thing is, so, what is the
1: next step now? How can people help? We want to get people involved. We want them to get there and go spread the word. We want everyone to stand with Plant Parenthood and, and stand for choice. And, uh, you can just take a minute, if you haven't already done so, spread the word on Facebook and Twitter and, LinkedIn, what
2: link should we be sending people to? Exactly. Well, actually, it would be the star you are, who has been so, and you yourself have been such, um, gotten such into the movement. Um, and it really is, you know, a guerrilla movement. It's amazing how in the last couple of weeks, people who have never, um, you know, that uh, computer wise, we've never had a click or an email from them, the outpouring support. Court, and actually, the stories people have shared with us. Well, and that, I am
1: one of those people. I haven't used the services. I've never actually done been to the website, other than when we've done some kind of uh, of uh, contraceptive or, con- or a sexuality uh, program. But I stand firmly behind Planned Parenthood, and I, I am so against I, what the House exactly. has done. We cannot let it pass. So, um, if, if you're reading any of my blogs at um, CynthiaBryan.com, I am writing about it and I'm on Facebook but I want to send them to Planned Parenthood directly yeah,
2: so if you if you go to just our simple is website just going to planned.org and there should be all the various links depending on your specific area your computer may actually route you to your actually dynamic so if you're here in um, the Southern California, San Diego area, it will route you to the PPPSW uh, website, which is Planned Parenthood Pacific Southwest. Um, if you're in Los Angeles, it may direct you to Orange County or any other country, but the main PPFA, which is the Planned Parenthood um, Federation of America, if you go to its planned.org website. Piers and
1: Paul. Piers and Paul. Then what's the next one? Oh,
2: i was just saying. will Okay, just say then just F is Plan. in Frank, H is in yeah. horse, A is in apple, and just is it org planned? No, no, no. Just go to plan.org, and that's the main okay. website that will bring you to everything. And there's all our various links about how to get involved with your particular senator, um, writing letters, seeing if your who represents you is truly representing you. Um, there's all these various all these various links where you can. Thank for us here in California, it was Barbara Boxer, who's really been standing up for us, um, and Susan Davis. So we're saying, uh, we've been saying thank you, saying thank you for taking that stand. And there's various links you can click on to take that pledge. If you're able to donate financially, that would be great, but that's the least of what we're asking for right now. What we're really asking for is to let your voice it's be heard. Letting, and I also uh, letting want to give out
1: another here. website, which is I IStandWithPlannedParenthood.org. And if any of this, I'm going to put it on the website at StarStyleRadio.com. And if anyone has questions, feel free. You can always email me here, Cynthia at CynthiaBrian.com, and I will definitely get you connected. I have been on a big campaign to spread the word. We have to protect ourselves protect women's rights, protect the rights of families, and protect our right of choice. And I really thank you, Heather, for being an advocate, for coming on the show and really, you know, showing everyone that we can't can't put put up with this anymore. It's unbelievable. We have to make an impact. We've got to stop the senators, you know, and make sure they know that our voices are to be heard. So please stand with us. Stand for women's health. Stand for your health. It could be the life that you saved. Did you want to
2: wind it up with anything? No, I just wanted to thank you so much uh, for your, and letting, and letting uh, the show today be based about this because it's a long, it's a long fight we're hoping and it's not going to pass in the Senate, but it's really um, been up to all of our patients, our clients, and just our supporters. So whether you've ever used our services or know someone who has or has not, um, think about it, educate yourself, knowledge is power, and that truly sex education is birth control. So please check out the website, um, plan.org, I stand with Planned Parenthood.org, as well as with us, bethestarur.com, bethestarur.org, and carmonyclutches.com as well. Stand up, make your voice be heard, and um, hopefully with, uh, with everyone's support and with everyone's activism, uh, we can uh, veto this uh, law and make, well, make it a I law. Well, I stand
1: with them. you, Heather. I'm determined to fight against the bill as it moves to the Senate. We hope all our listeners will fight with us. We have to oppose any effort to undermine women's health and access to health care. So let's all be together with this. Uh, you know that we have strong leadership. It's critical right now. Heather, thank you for what you're doing. Keep up the work. And anyone, again, email me, cynthia at cynthiabryan.com. I'll get you connected or go to the Planned Parenthood website. You can always Google it, Planned Parenthood. Thank you so much. When we come back from break, I'm going to be sharing with you how to create some competitive advantages in your business. And also I have this month's garden guide for you to help you dig deeper both spiritually and in your garden. I am Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Rittney. And thank you for standing for Planned Parenthood. I'll be back in just a minute.
0: What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite World Talk radio show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Do you
1: know how to be a leader? Are you considered a great boss? If you want to earn the admiration and the respect of your employees, you need to lead the way by having your employees back. That means you stand up for them. You replace any bad apples with new, upbeat recruits. One negative employee can depress your entire firm. Keep in mind that you'll be watched by those you lead. Make sure your time in the spotlight is filled with integrity and sensitivity. And don't be a micromanager. Assign tasks to the most capable people. Then get the heck out of their way and let them shine. Teach your employees by example. Care, share, and be fair. It's a lesson I learned a long time ago, and I think it's important to pass on to you. You are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style Productions. For coaching advice or consultations, visit star-style.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's 925-377-7827.
3: Be the star you are Light up the flame that burns
0: you're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. It's the Power Hour on Star Style. Be the star you are. Now, back to the show with the Oprah of the airwaves, Cynthia Bryan.
1: Well, thank you very much for staying with us and staying tuned. Our purpose is to provide you with the communication skills that you already know, that you have everything you need to be the writer, producer, and star of your own life. All of us are stars, and we just need to polish and shine. We want you to smile, have fun, and be willing to be wild and wacky, which means we want you to take measured risks. And we also want you to read some books that you have never thought of. We bring you books every week here on this radio show. A lot of authors are New York Times bestsellers or bestsellers in some other right, and some are people you've never heard of, and we really recommend that you pick up a copy. We screen who we are going to have on. We try to bring you a, a big array of different genres to help you think and to think critically and, and to be nonjudgmental and just to make up your own mind and not be swayed by politics or religion or whatever the sayings of the day. As an author, I have several books out there, Chicken Soup for the Gardener Soul, be the Star You Are, the business of show business, Be the Star You Are for Teens, and Miracle Moments. And you can get more information and you can purchase autographed copies if you uh, go to com, or you can also get them from com. My motto is to be a leader, you must be a reader. So we hope that despite... The internet and the games and all the things that are out there, you know, the movies, the television and all the other technological advances that you are also reading. So I, now I wanted to uh, talk to you a little bit about creating competitive advantage. And what made me think of this topic for the show was that after every interview and after every radio show, I get lots and lots of emails And I always get an email from the guest that was on the show, and then I get a lot of listener feedback. And the number one comment that I receive over and over and over again is the gratitude as well as the shock that I actually read the book of the author that I am interviewing that day. Now, I do understand I've been in the entertainment business for a couple of decades here, and I do understand that most radio and television personalities do not have – the time or take the time to read the books of the authors or the guests that they interview many of them might have readers that give them a cheat sheet most of them just ask for a cheat sheet from the publicist however whenever we have a guest here on Be The Star You Are I personally do my research I read every single book cover to cover I read their bios I go online I do the research there I watch any videos If it's a movie director or someone who's made movies, I watch the movies. And the whole reason for that is not only to inform me, but I want you as the listeners to enjoy a very meaningful hour with us. I want it to be of value. And I hope that the guest is feeling that the time they spend here on our show is valuable to him or her as well. I want to have conversation. It's all about connecting, communicating, and conversing. I'm I'm often called, you know, the passion, purpose, and possibility expert, and it's not so much that I'm an expert in it. It's that I really believe it can all happen. My goal is always to make this show sound like we are all enjoying, you know, a cup of tea or a glass of wine or whatever your favorite beverage is, sitting around the kitchen table, just exchanging ideas and debating issues, learning new things. doesn't matter whether we agree or not. It's like Heather and I always say, we leave a little room for honey so we can agree to disagree, but the fact is, that when you read a book, as I do for every guest, I read their book, that is called a competitive advantage in business. So what are your competitive advantages? Uh, a competitive advantage is objective. It's not subjective. So how many times do you hear a business say, oh, uh, you want to do business with me because we will deliver quality and service? Well, what if your idea of quality and service are different I mean, I can't decide what your idea of quality and service are. The only thing I can say for my competitive advantage for my show is that I guarantee you a great interview. I can't guarantee that you're going to sell more or that you're going to make more money, but I will guarantee I will read your materials and that I will carefully give it the time that it deserves. So that is a competitive advantage. Uh, if you're just saying quality and service, those are expectations. A competitive advantage is quantifiable. It's not arbitrary. So here are a couple of questions you want to ask yourself if you want to create a competitive advantage for your company. First, ask what are your company's most critical advantages that you offer. Ask your the people you serve, your clients, your patients, your guests, whatever it is. Ask your employees or your volunteers, what do they think are the competitive advantages? And then What are the competitive advantages of your competition? Do you know what other people are doing better? And then how do you respond to customers and clients when they ask, you know, why should I buy from you? Why should I work with you and not somebody else? So I know that here at uh, Star Style that we try to set ourselves apart from the pack and that we really and truly do care about our clients and our products. We want to save people time. We want to see, save them money, aggravation, energy, and we want them to shine as the brightest. We do a lot of publicity for anyone who comes on our show. And, uh, and then in our, the personal businesses, when I'm working on somebody's garden or on somebody's house design or I'm coaching somebody, they become like family to me. I'm thinking about them all the time and as individuals. So what do you do best? Shout it out from the highest mountain. Figure out what your competitive advantage is and then work it, work it, and then let people know about it because, you know, price is not always the factor. Sometimes people want cheaper, but many times what people are really looking for are quality and that attention to detail. So do what you do best, but offer with integrity. Now, to switch gears, every month I try to bring you a little bit of information for the garden to help you dig deeper in both your life and in your garden. And I also want to say that if anyone is looking for gardening services, I I work as a garden consultant. I love nature. I am a devout gardener. I'm an animal rescuer. And I write a column called Digging Deep. And then I also provide a garden guide, which you can find on the website. This month I'm talking about seeds. Or change. Oh and by the way, my website again is cynthiabryan.com. So seeds of change. I know that the seeds I sow will I will harvest because every action, good or bad, is always followed by an equal reaction. I will plant only good seeds this day. That's a quote by Og Mandino and I like this quote a lot. I've used it uh, for a long time in my acting um, consultations because I really believe that, you know, whatever you plant, it's what you reap, you will sow, and that every action is followed by a reaction. So what we do today really does affect tomorrow. It is that whole idea of the butterfly in Brazil, flapping its wings, changing the atmosphere in China. Well, the first blush of spring really surprised me this year because we had... Very warm, sunny days in the first two weeks of February here in California. I hadn't even completed my final dormant spray of the horticultural oil that kills the overwintering insects on my free trees. And the branches burst into bud, and then they followed with bountiful blooms. Usually on St. Patrick's Day, which is March 17th, I can count on these magnificent magenta blossoms of this white Italian peach tree that's outside my dining room window, which sets the stage for my celebration, but not this year. That tree climaxed 27 days earlier than in past seasons, as did my plums and my prunes, and they finished their spectacular show before March even dawned. So what's going on? Are we having climate change? Is it global warming? It could be any of these things, but what does a gardener do? Well, my seed catalogs have been piled high on my nightstand since early January, and they were awaiting, you know, some rainy day that I could just snuggle up under a blanket with a big fire and uh, swaddle myself with these catalogs and have uh, the flora fantasies because nature makes no mistakes. So my slumbering garden, as it hastened to await prematurely, I needed to get together with figuring out what I was going to start and plant as the weather warmed. So in the natural setting, plants grow mostly from tiny miracles we call seeds. But there are numerous companies that are offering seeds to suit every garden, including heirlooms, habitat, edibles, ornamentals, flowers, and shrubs. Five ingredients are necessary to have success with seeds. You have to prepare the soil properly by enriching it with compost, earthworms, and mulch you got to follow the instructions for planting uh, that is printed on the seed packet. You need to water appropriately, thin seedlings as recommended, and then weed the area consistently. Now, with our variable weather patterns, how are you going to know when the soil's ready and when it's warm enough for planting the seeds? Well, I have an old remedy. I call it drop your pants. I mean, that's right. You heard me right. It's the way farmers have tested the soil for generations. If you can sit on the ground with your bare bottom for about 30 seconds without feeling too cold or wet, then your ground is probably set to go. Now, I do want to warn you, don't try this in your front yard or if you have a lot of neighbors, do it in the backyard. You don't want to startle your neighborhood or have them call the police. Maybe the better method for you would be to grab a handful of dirt, shape it into a ball and squeeze, and then if the water droops out like a wet sponge, your soil is just too moist to plant. And instead, you should start your seedlings indoors. Now, seed suppliers ascertain that the easiest seeds to grow are beans, cucumbers, peas, pumpkins, radishes, squash, cosmos, lettuce, sunflower, and zinnias. And I think that we can really help our children learn about the joy of growing by giving them a selection of these simple-to-sprout seeds. Now, at the beginning of the year, I created the plan for the garden this year, which is to explore, experiment, and experience. And so I started to peruse a number of catalogs to discover the unique seeds of change in the garden dynamics. Now, a few of my favorite places for seeds are Renee's Garden, John Sheeper's, Seed Savers Exchange, and Cicada. And I would suggest that you check these places out because they offer all different kinds of seeds. I recently just got a fabulous package of seeds from... Uh, the Sakata, which is spelled S-A-K-A-T-A, cicada it's a vegetable variety showcase of so beets and bell peppers and cucumbers and lettuce and melons and uh, pumpkins and spinach and tomatoes. And I can't wait to plant this and see how it grows to find out if, you know, I really am going to be able to have a wonderful vegetable garden. When we're looking at all this climate change and things that are going on and we want to stay healthy, I suggest that we go out into our garden and we dig in the soil and we decide to grow our own vegetables and herbs so that we can have a healthy, healthy life. So while winter rages on, don't just dream of next season's vibrant, beautiful, and delicious crops. Plot your garden today, prepare the ground, buy your seeds, and welcome the opportunity to change your garden world by reintroducing some heirlooms and introducing and experimenting with new samplers. And when the warm days arrive to stay, you're going to be ready to welcome the herbal and floral treasures that your imagination designed with seeds of change. So happy gardening to you. Now we're going to come back from break, and we're going to be talking with Iman Omar Hazim and his really wonderful book of sermons and and speeches that is called Islam in the Heartland of America. Islam is, is a religion that is very much misunderstood to many people, and we want to bring the correct information to light. And thankfully, Iman Omar Hazim is with us today. So stay with me. Don't go away. I am Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We will be talking the sacred Islam when we come back.
0: Looking for unique, one-of-a-kind gifts for the special woman in your life? The Carmody Collection creates handmade handbags, clutches, candles, and canvases from vintage and recycled fabrics, bangles, and beads. Be eco-friendly and fashionable with prices for all pocketbooks. Visit www.carmonycollection.com
1: That's Carmony with a K and Collection with a K. Or call 925-785-7827.
0: Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com. You can be the star you are. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take World Talk Radio on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Turn up the volume, grab a seat, and get ready to be challenged, inspired, and motivated to greatness. It's power party time on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with your hosts, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany.
1: Well, we appreciate you staying with us here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, where every single week we showcase incredible authors and experts that enhance and inspire you. Be The Star You Are is a 501c3 charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive message programming like this radio show, and tools for living. Well, since 9-11, the religion of Islam has been under attack. We often hear about Islamic terrorists, Muslim murders, jihad, and believe that this is what Islam is. But religion, culture, and politics are different. Islam is not a political party. It is a sacred religion with the Quran as its divine scripture. Iman Omar Hazim is the Iman of the Islamic Center of Topeka, Kansas. He is the Islamic advisor to the Kansas Department of Corrections and has served in that position since 1990. He wrote a very lovely book. It's called Islam in the Heartland of America with the purpose to inform and educate the general public About the teachings of Islam directly from the mosque. Welcome, Iman Omar Hazim, to Star Style. Be the star you are.
3: Thank you very much, Cynthia. I appreciate the invitation to be on your show and uh, looking forward to uh, having a conversation with you.
1: Thank you. How is the best way that I address you? Do I say Iman Hazim or Omar? What do you prefer to be called? It would
3: probably be just easier for you to say Omar. Uh, Imam is the title. Uh, my name is Omar Hazim so Omar is just fine
1: it's fine well thank you Omar i want to get right to the heart of it i really enjoyed reading your book because when i i learned so much about islam that i didn't even know now one of the very first things first of all your book is not just your own sermons and teachings but it's other people that have come to the mosque and other things that are in there and you quote quite quite frequently from the Quran, but one thing that we learn right in the beginning is that Judaism, Christianity, and Islam have many, many aspects in common. They share similar beliefs, as, such as one God, belief in prophets, you know, heaven, hell, angels, moral values. Tell us a little bit about how we are all one, which is something that Islam talks about.
3: Yeah, that, uh, I'm glad you read the book, too, because we have a chapter in the book called Three Faiths and One God. And that actual, that article came about, uh, because I'm involved with Interfaith Incorporated here in Topeka. And we always have been with Interfaith for, for many, many years. And to most people just don't understand or realize that the religion, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity, that they look so much alike because simply that God, we believe that God is the revealer. Of all three of those great faiths that he revealed certain information to Prophet Moses, uh, and to Jesus, peace be upon him and Moses. And then the same God, the one God, revealed revelations to Prophet Muhammad. And so with God's revelation, then naturally the revelation is going to be very similar to one prophet as to the other prophet. And so in all these religions you have the belief in one God which is very essential in Islam. This is uh, fundamental. First pillar of our faith is to believe in only one God, and so you have tolerance, forgiveness, and mercy. You have all of these great virtues which are universal, and they coincide with the uh, virtues in Judaism and also Christianity.
1: And to me, this is this is just the cornerstone of your book uh, in teaching Islam to the masses about having one God and that this inner faith the cooperation and the conversation between our faiths is essential because we really are all under one god and so when people try to say that uh, that we're so different they tend to lump islam especially into some kind of a political movement when it is truly a religion
3: Exactly. That's exactly right. And we believe, that uh, in addition to us important. all believing in one God, that we are one humanity. One that humanity. we all are one and the same people. We came from Adam uh, and Eve. So that was God's first creation as far as humanity is concerned. And there's no difference in uh, world uh, views on one humanity. The Quran tells us, that God created us into tribes, families, different nations, and into diversities so that we can come to know one another and not despise one another. And I have that particular, you know, a quote in my book several times because it's a very important idea to understand. And I think humanity have to try to stand up and meet that challenge of coming to know one another. Oftentimes when we see that we're different, from the Our neighbor or someone on the other side of the ocean we tend to put a barrier up uh opposed to reaching out to that individual trying to learn about him or her and so it 's important for us to realize that we are all one people, and that if God intended to make us one and exactly alike as far as thinking color uh nationalities, uh, he could have done that, but he chose to. Make us in diversity so we can reach out to one another and try to learn one another.
1: Well, I think it's beautiful the way you put it. And I uh, I want to just share with the audience again, we're speaking with Iman Omar Hazim. His book is Islam in the Heartland of America. And what the book brings out are the many sermons, lectures, speeches, and it's also filled with several pictures uh, of different interfaith meetings, etc., because we are all one. Now, let's talk uh Omar about jihad because this is actually a very beautiful teaching that has been convoluted since we're having issues throughout the world and people are using jihad in a negative way and it's not meant that way
3: right exactly the the word um uh, jihad it has been taken so far out of its context and from the original meaning of it it is hard for people to really recognize what it is but jihad, uh, it actually means uh, exertion, or it means struggle to please your Creator, to, to please God, and to try to do uh, what is right. And jihad is actually a defensive um, act, and is not an offensive act. And meaning that the uh, the struggle that we have within ourselves to try to do something right whether it's an effort applied by a Christian, a Jew, or a Muslim, is a jihad. Uh, one example of, of a jihad is when we look at uh, Prophet Jesus, peace upon him, when Jesus was oppressed and then, uh, according to the Christian uh, theology, that when he was put on the cross or when he was persecuted and killed, then he said to God, uh, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Meaning he didn't seek revenge uh he sought forgiveness for the people. So this is an effort of jihad. Uh, any competing ideas that's in our mind, yours, mine or anyone else, when you're trying to rouse with that idea to see what is the best course for you and those that you're working with, that's a jihad because you're try you're striving for righteousness, you try you're striving to just make the best of a situation. Uh, we look at Nelson Mandela, who, who wasn't a Muslim, but after he served uh, 27 years in prison, he came out, he became the president of that country. Now, if he wanted to take revenge or revenge on the people that had uh, persecuted him, he could have easily did that, but he chose the other route, the higher route, the route to forgive. This is what jihad is, to doing, bring out the best within ourselves. And one one quick hadith, which is a saying from the Prophet, after a physical struggle, and which a physical struggle can also be a component of jihad, but after that struggle, the Prophet said to his uh, companions and followers, he said, shall I now tell you about the greater jihad? So they said, what can be greater than this? We have lost a lot in battle. We've lost lives and we've got wounds. So the Prophet said, the greater jihad, is the struggle against your own soul, your own mm. self. So you'll be struggling for the rest of your life, trying to improve yourself. So this is the true meaning of jihad.
1: And that is is that that is absolutely true. Aren't we always striving to be a better person? And it, it saddens me so that it's been so taken out of context from the beautiful meaning that it originally had and was given in the Quran and, and down from Muhammad and that people have just, you know, made it something that seems like it is terrorism or it's fighting one another as opposed to fighting the demons within. Now, That's right. And, about... and if
3: we just think, Cynthia, what a good world this would be if we went to war with ourselves as quickly as we go to wars with others. I mean, you know, as human beings, we, we tend to love to point fingers at the other person or to shift blame on the other person. But if we would use that same energy and effort to look at ourselves within and look at the mistakes that we've made and try to correct those mistakes, try to be a better person ourselves, opposed to pointing the finger at someone else, then the world would certainly be a much, much better place. And then we would be more tolerant of other people if we first look at the demons within our own selves.
1: That is said so perfectly. It's it's like Gandhi said, if we want change in the world, we have to be the change we want to see. So it's not that uh, people tend to think that not one person can make a difference. The reality is, and all the religions teach this, is that one person is important, that we're all made in the image and likeness of God, and we can make a difference. So what Mm -hmm. you're saying, if we can work from the heart and from our soul and love ourselves and love each other, then our, our our spiritual life is going to be guaranteed. But moreover, there will be happiness and peace here on earth. And that is, is what we all strive for right now. Would you talk a little about, you have a wonderful um, chapter in here, too, that was an article that was actually by um, Dr. Muzamil, I'm probably not saying his name right, Siddiqui. Muzamil Siddiqui. Siddiqui, The Spiritual and Moral Health of the Heart and how the heart being so important in the human body and that the heart is really closest to the soul.
3: That's exactly right. The, the heart is close to the soul and there's a place in the Quran where it speaks of the heart in several places and Dr. Muzi mil he also alluded to that in his talk where the, the scripture of the Quran it says that when God wants to expand your uh, faith or give you your faith or religion then he will put that in your heart uh, which is is very important Uh, and it tells us that the religion is not on our head, it's not in our clothes that we wear how some people think that you should wear a certain garment or you should be covered a certain way to uh, be a religious person or that you may have to attend a mosque or you may have to attend church or you may have to attend the synagogue in order to be a righteous or a religious person but the Quran it, it speaks uh, against that to the point where he said that the religion is in your heart. And this is what ju- God will be judging a person's heart, the soul, the mind, and the intention of the individual.
1: And that and is, to me, the critical basis of a, of a firm spiritual belief, is that it's always in your heart. It's in your soul. A, a building does not make a religion. A building does not make a connection to God.
0: Mm -hmm. We
1: have to be connected ourselves. You wrote uh, under the chapter Seizing Opportunities, which is um, a sermon that you gave, uh, something that the Prophet Muhammad wrote about seize the opportunity of five things before the occurrence of five things, the the youth before old age, health before illness, wealth before poverty, free time before uh, being occupied, and your life before death. And the quote, which I loved, it is better to be a living donkey than a dead lion. Would you speak to this? Because this is something that we tend not to talk about, I think, as much when we're talking about religion. It's how to see the opportunity to be the best person we can be.
3: Right, and that's very important. And and that last statement that you made is actually not from the Quran, but it's an Arab proverb. And what it's actually speaking to, you know, none of us know how long we're going to live in this world. You know, we we come here and we all know that we must leave if God has given us the blessing to be here in this world. And God has given us many talents. He's given us speech. He's given us faculties of reasoning, understanding, judgment, concernment. And so with these great gifts that God has given us, that he has given to all human beings, then we should try to do as much good and and use uh, this life to be as productive as we possibly can. And so we talked about before you become old, sometimes when people become real old, they may become sick and frail, and they can't do as much as they did when they were young. So when you're young and you're vibrant, then you should try to uh, take advantage of that to serve humanity. But we believe in Islam that you can't really serve God if you don't serve humanity. And that's very important for us to understand. There's a verse in the Quran where it says, to Who will loan to God a beautiful loan? and then God would multiply that in, in return. So we know that God is independent and he don't need anything, but the metaphorical idea and the metaphorical concept of that is that if you do good to humanity, do do something to help the poor, help the weak, you know, help those that have been oppressed, help the ill, and so you try to do all those things while you're able to do so in your young life and if you, your mind is uh, functioning good, uh, and if you are, or have wealth, or if you have, uh, not wealth, but just, you know, some financial means to help others, and, and not only the financial means, but in Islam we say just giving a person a smile is a charity. And that we should do some kind of charity every day. Opening the door for an older person is charity. Picking up an obstacle or a rock or a piece of glass or something in the street. All those things are charity so we should try to do as much good as we can before we die and leave this earth and that's what these five uh... opportunities are about
1: and we all have the ability and the responsibility to live with these opportunities we're speaking with iman omar hazim who is the author of islam in the heartland of america and as you can hear how beautiful islam is it really is a fundamental fundamental way of living life in service and living life to the fullest. I wanted wanted to bring out the last one, Your Life Before Your Death, Under the Opportunities. You wrote, We should not kill ourselves or take our lives. Islam requires Muslims to be resolute in facing hardships, and we're not permitted to give up and run away from life tragedies, and we progress by the power of thought. So we must pray for Allah's forgiveness and guidance. And... I, I felt that was really very profound, because uh, later in the book you did talk about how when there's terrorism around the world, we don't piggyback, we don't um, box in someone and say, well, they are an Irish Catholic terrorist if they're part of the IRA, or you know that it was a bombing by uh, by Christians in somewhere, but we are saying calling when they're a terrorist and they happen to be Muslim. Or that we we'll call them Islamic terrorists. How can we stop that, Omar? How can yeah, we change our well, vocabulary?
3: This, this is really what the uh, the book is partly about, is trying to you know give the media and the general public understanding that you don't uh, identify a criminal criminal by the religion that he or she professed to believe in. You can identify that criminal by his uh, physical characteristics, with his height uh... his color the texture of his hair and so forth but to say that this person is a muslim terrorist is just ironic i mean you know a criminal is a criminal whether he's a muslim whether he's jewish whether he's christian and so we want to leave the person's religion out of it and just identify that person as a criminal if he committed a crime then he or she should be punished to the full extent of the law but don't try to punish the person's religion uh, based on what that individual did, because the religion is good, is pure, is simple, and is beautiful
1: i'm so glad that you you so beautifully stated this in your book because the word "a criminal is a criminal is a criminal is absolutely true, and there are criminals of every religion and of you know of every race that black white green, purple men, women. And it has nothing to do with our religion, our spirituality, right. and so as a as a world, as a people, we have to learn to embrace one another's goodness and know that the the people that are doing wrongs out there, we have to forgive them, but they'll they 'll be punished in their own right, but not to lump everyone together
3: right. another part of the book I'm sure you you read that too i 've got a chapter in here on motherhood, honoring mothers, and I know yeah, you, you are very,
1: women and Islam respect for
3: women. Uh, and this is one of the highlights of Islam. You know, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said that paradise lies at the feet of our mothers. And in making that statement, it's a broad statement that deals with how we respect women, how we respect our mothers, and based on that respect and that care and that love for our mothers, then sometimes people are often... uh elevated to paradise even though they may have committed many sins in their life but if they show this certain honor love and respect for mother and treat mother with the utmost sort of respect there's many many special rewards uh, for that and in the book here i've got a i had my, my mother's eighty nine years old
1: and there's a lovely visit. picture of her in the yeah. book too what a lovely woman And and Thank i also before you finish talking about your mom i want to give my condolences on the the passing to Allah of your beautiful wife of 47 years, was it? Yes,
3: yes, it was yes, She was years.
1: your partner and your your greatest supporter, and right. so our condolences. But we know that she's with you, and she's a special angel. But That's do you right. talk about your mother, who's 89?
3: Yeah, I was saying I visited uh, with her last night. Uh, myself and my oldest daughter went to Kansas City to visit with her. She's got the book. She's very elated over it. Uh, I had asked her earlier if I could take a picture of her and put it in the book where it represented uh, motherhood, because she have eight children, she has 19 grandchildren, 22 great chi- great grandchildren, and uh, a few great great grandchildren. So she was so honored and so happy to to let me do that. And I've got like four sections in here on how important it is to honor parents, especially mothers. I mean, we honor father also, but mother. And women have a very special place uh, in the Islamic teachings.
1: And I'm really glad you put that in the book. And let's give out your website because we're running out of time, Omar. Okay. The the fact that Islam and motherhood and the raising, the elevation of women to a special place, they go hand in hand. And I encourage everyone to read the book. You will get a better understanding of this beautiful religion called Islam that is very much in keeping with all the other great religions of the world. We are all saying the same thing. The author is Iman Omar Hazim. The book is Islam and the Heartland of America. And the website, Omar, is omarhazim.net. Is that correct?
3: That's correct.
1: Let's spell that. O-M-A-R-H-A-Z-I-M dot net. Well, Omar, it has been a privilege to have you on the show. This is just a beautiful book. Kansas is very, very fortunate to have you there as their Iman, and please continue the very special work
3: you are okay, doing because you, thank you. we need also, to offer Also the book is available at together. Barnes and Noble and Amazon.com and also on ebooks.
1: Okay, it's available online and uh, and at any uh, on any of the online sites as well as an ebook. So go to com or go to your favorite online source, Islam in the Heartland of America Omar, thank you very much for joining us on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, and I hope that we'll stay in touch.
3: Okay, thank you very much,
1: Thank you for uh, spreading the joy. You've been listening to Cynthia Bryan on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Thank you for joining me, and we'll celebrate again next week. Go out into the world, make a difference, and be the star you are. Ciao for now. Thank Cynthia, you. Cynthia,
3: can I hold one minute after you go off the air?
1: Be the star you are.